got a little I got a little energy, got my water. Yeah. We're Boom. starting out strong. All so, right. Ready to ready to do it. Amazing. So I like to start my interviews at the same place. So I'll start it off the same way I do with everything, with you know, the point of gratitude. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Thank you. Glad to be here with you, man. Amazing. So, you know, the beginning of these always start the same. There's always a point where they all deviate, but I like to start them similarly. We all start off as children. So I think that's the right place to start all stories. Um, how did you go from being Ashanti the child to, you know, the man and the, the activist and the entrepreneur and uh, jack of all trades that you are now? Man, <clears throat> I, I mean, I imagine there's like lots of levels of how it all happened, but I would say uh, being bullied in middle school was one uh, growing moment in my life. Um, not being able to tell anybody about it, like, well, I probably could have told people about it, but what I told myself was the story of telling people about it was going to make them make fun of you, ridicule you. You know, I was raised as the only child, not the only child, the oldest. Mm -hmm. I was raising my siblings. I was, I was a man of the house at seven years old. So at seven years old, I was supposed to figure out what it meant to be a man. I, I think I've been searching ever since. Never feeling man enough. Tough. You know, I'm six foot one, three hundred plus pounds, right? Like I'm, I'm a big dude. You know, like I think I'm smart, but always searching, like not feeling from seven years old that message of you have to have all the answers. You gotta be tough. You can't show any feelings, and then having to erase those messages over the journey of life. So I think it's almost as I look back at all those little moments of like pain points. It absolutely has um, created what I get to do today. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I would say one, I'm trying to think of one moment. I, man, so many things are like like ringing in my head. Like what was one of those moments? I think one moment I remember is, um, you wanna hear a story or you just want me to like- I love it. Yeah. I, however you choose to answer oh, okay. it, I leave okay. it open-ended. Well, you know, I, I got, I'm, I, I'm, I, got a lot of, I got I got a lot of stories. So I always have to say, how long do I have? But I'm gonna say I was, um, my mom never really let me leave the house. Like it was like I come home, take care of my siblings, help cook, clean, do stuff, and I rarely got to leave the house. But this one day in particular, I was I had my homework done. The house was already clean. You know, it was everything was done. And my friends came and said, "Hey, let's go for a ride." And I was like, I asked her, "Could I go?" She was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" So she let me leave, and I was like, uh, like my house was like right behind a gas station. So we drove from my house like to the gas station, and while we we're parking, getting gas. And my, my friend's cousin's car, somebody came to the window with a gun and he was looking for the owner of the car, my, my friend's cousin. And he was like, I was, I mean, I was terrified. Like mm -hmm. I never get to leave the house. I'm like, if I get shot, my mom's gonna kill me. Like I, she, first of all, I never let me leave the house first of all. And now mm -hmm. I'm about to get shot in front of my own house. Like I can see my, I can see my bedroom window from where I'm in the car and I'm, my heart is pounding. And the guy was like, Hey dude, y'all don't worry. I'm, I'm not looking for y'all. I'm mm -hmm. looking for the owner of this car. And uh, I remember just like, I'm in the front seat. So all of a sudden, I once he left, I was like, hey, I'm going home. They're like, ah, don't worry about that. I'm like, did you not hear what he just said? Like, he's looking for the person. How's he going to know it ain't us? I'm out. And they were like, and I remember that moment realizing, like, my life can't be at the mercy of other people's. I don't know, I, I'm still learning that lesson, actually. My life can't be at the mercy of other people's thoughts and feelings and what they want, because um, unfortunately, those young men that were in that car, you know, their life took a whole different turn. Mm. And the man they were looking for, they found him two weeks later and killed him. And I, and I remember like going home and crying because I was afraid. I was scared. I was also I really go hang out, but also like what? And I remember that moment of saying and, and the reason I said I'm still learning that lesson is because. Like sometimes I want to like post a video, like, and I'm like, ah, oh, what are people gonna say? What are people gonna think? And I don't know why I reverted back to that thing that I pushed myself out of when I was, you know, 16 years old. Um, so that that's what's, I think, lots of stories that have got me here today. But that was one that I remember being a, a marker of like, sometimes I don't I don't care what other people say. Right, and you yeah. got to do what you have to do to better your own life. You know, you have yeah. to. There's an old myth about um, these three fish are in a body of water and there's um, two fishermen are coming to the lake, right? There's a wise fish, a half wise fish and a foolish fish. Okay. The wise fish knows he needs to get the fuck out of this pond, right? Like he has <laughs> to leave. Otherwise he's in a dangerous spot. So he decides to make the difficult journey to the ocean 
but he knows he can't share it with the other fish because he's wise and knows that sometimes if you share your plans, it might disincentivize you or someone might, you know, cast doubt. Yeah. Um, I won't share the entire myth because I, you know, I want to focus to be on you, but I'll share that part because that's what the, the wisest of the fish knows. Sometimes you got to mm. just, and so I love that you were just like, guys, I'm out. Like, this is I'm out. I mean, I, I, I knew they were talking, they were talking to Mac for weeks, right? They talked to Mac for weeks, but yeah, looking back. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Yeah. As am I. And, and so to that point, you know, you've, you've given life to, you know, helping other people and championing great causes. Can you speak about, you know, what you got going on now, now that we're, you know, we've made it to the present Ashanti now, what's going on these days? <laughs> well, you know, um, that journey of like figuring out, like going after trying to be an engineer, I graduated in engineering, started making money, thinking that I was looking for money because I wanted to be rich. You know, I grew up poor and I was like, rich will be fun, you know, like, cause poor is not. So, uh, and then I realized oh, I'm supposed to be a teacher and teachers don't make money. And so, you know, leaving engineering to become a teacher was like, it was a good heart. It felt good in my heart. It didn't mm -hmm. feel good in my analytical mathematical brain. Like it, I hear it. This this check doesn't make sense to me because the check we just got a couple of months ago was very different, you know. Um, but I think deep down, I um I started that first year teaching. I started this program called Ever Forward. It's a mentoring program for young men, really to give them a space to talk about their feelings, right? Really having a space to talk about stuff that they are going through in their life and not feel ashamed, not feel belittled, not feel like they're less than a man. Um, and I think that that's been my work. And so we created um, throughout this journey of the work that was, you know, a long time ago, 2004, we started Ever Forward, mm -hmm. but we were featured in a documentary called The Mask You Live In, uh, which is about American masculinity and this hyper masculine narrative of being a man. And then just, you know, just over the last four years, we created a campaign called the Million Mask Movement. And that activity, that campaign is really about giving space and voice to this idea that there's a mask that we often have to wear. And now, everyone's wearing masks these days, right? So here's one of my newest masks. This is the mask that people would think about these days, right? Uh, this is like a mask of a mask, right? But um, I love that. But we're talking about these emotional masks, these masks that people don't know how to take off, like that I have to show the world this part of me and all this other stuff behind the mask I don't get to talk about. And I think that that's been our work. And we've collected about 50, over 50,000 masks from more than 25 countries. And what we see, no matter what language people are talking in or their home language, but when they recognize that there's part of myself on the front, I can gladly let people see. And there's all this stuff behind that I don't get to talk about. And that's been, man, it's been so beautiful giving people just that room to say, man, I'm not alone. Like there's other people, how are other people going through what I'm going through? I thought I was the only one because oftentimes we're comparing our behind the scenes story to everyone else's highlight reel, right? Mm -hmm. And in the highlight reel, most people don't really get really real. Every once in a while you get somebody who's like, you know, somebody with 20 million followers will say, I'm having this struggle, right? But what happens if you have 10 followers? You may not be willing to like tell people that you're struggling with something because, you know, if you lose half, if you got 10 million followers and you lose 5 million, you still got 5 million followers, right? That's one thing, right? But if you got 10 followers and you worry that telling people that you're going through some really tough stuff, they're gonna leave, maybe harder to do. So we're trying to make it normalized that we're human and we're having the human experience. And so that's, uh, yeah, thank you for asking that, man. That's of what course. we're trying to work on right now. No, I love, and I'm so grateful for it. And, you know, from personal experience, cause I think that, you know, you, you're, you're saying incredible things. And I, I think that your story kind of highlights that. How did you go from, you know, you're, you're an engineer, you know, one of the most coveted jobs that someone can have. Um, what happened that you were like, this isn't fulfilling me and I need to go into something more like of service. What, what was that experience like? Yeah. You know, actually it was, it was almost a, a different story. It was almost like I was loving making money. Mm. I was loving it, but I wasn't loving Monday through Friday necessarily. I love the work. I, I like working hard. I like solving problems, mm. but basically when I got home, I was just like, okay, get ready for tomorrow. And it was just like another day on this project. I finished one building, wrap the project up, move to another building, work on another project, wrap that up. And I was like, there gotta be more. There gotta be more to my life than just building buildings. I mean, it's great. It feels good when I would drive by to say, oh, I built that. That feels good for so long. And then you're like, hmm, okay. You know, they should be, they probably should paint it by now. You know, like it was more like, it didn't feel like a meaningful thing that was long, long lasting. Um, and so 
I was like living for happy hour. So happy hour, you know, Friday around 5 p.m. Happiness started. I thought I was working for happy ever after. They told me if you go to college and get a good job and you make a lot of money, you can live happily ever after. But pretty much I was waiting Friday around 5 p.m. I knew all the Bay Area happy hours. We had a free food, free drinks, free free bands, free blah, blah, blah. We had a mapped out. and But it wasn't like happy all the time. And it wasn't that. They, and so I think that what happened was um, I was I got invited to tutor at this learning center um, and this program uh, called Upward Bound. So I was tutoring at this learning center and then Upward Bound. But I, I'll tell you about the one at, Upper, at, at the learning center. Um, mm. This young man named Lucas. So this is in a town that doesn't have a lot of people who look like me. So I'm tutoring math at this learning center. And this place, um, I come in and they told me I'm tutoring Lucas. Lucas, I go around the corner. Lucas is there at the table. And he's like, he looks up. And I was like, you Lucas? He was like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm here to teach you math. I think he was shocked, first of all, that he saw this dude with dreadlocks talking about teaching him math, right? I was like, man, I got this. What are you talking about? Give me, give me what you're working on. And he was trying to work on polynomials, multiplying polynomials, algebra. He was hating it. And I was like, okay, can I show you a shortcut? He was like, there's shortcuts? I'm like, man, there's all kinds of shortcuts in math. I showed him this shortcut. And literally in the moment that I showed him, I said, he said, let me try it. So he tried it. He said, is that right? I said, I don't know. Check the back of the book. He flips to the back of the book. The answer, he looks, I see that thing they see in movies where people see like rainbows and butterflies. Like, like it was almost like I heard, trip, 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 trip. It was like, it was like a movie. And I'm like, that feeling, I will never forget it. And I will never, it is what turned, the, it helped turn that fire on to be like, that's what would make you come alive. Like, like he, me helping him with this thing that he was, he can't walked in hating it. And then he was like, I got this, like, man. And I realized that my work was so different. The engineering work, you know, you build a building, they, you finish the building, they say, hey, thank you, where are my keys? And you give them the keys and you will leave, you walk away. But that kid, right? turned into something different so it was a, it was a sign that it was like yeah i could keep doing the work making the money i could and then it would stop me but do i want to be doing this for 40 years where i'm just like um and it was a hard decision like i mean it's one thing to be like i'm leaving something i hate i liked it i loved engineering i love building amazing buildings but i didn't feel like the value of it was was long term for me for what mm -hmm. i wanted to give back to the world and, and literally, I thought I was going to go to teaching for two years. I thought I was going to do like the Peace Corps, right? I'm going to go teach in this little, in my o Oakland city, and then I'll come back to the money. And that was, uh, that was 2002. So obviously, I haven't, uh, I haven't yet been back. <laughs> so um, it's, this, is, this is what I really believe that I was born to do. I love that. And then so what, you know, when you make that transition, you go into like education and helping people in that, in that form, how did the you know, ever forward come about? And then how did that transition into, you know, million mask and, and you know, the mask that we all wear? How did that how did these transitions start happening? Yeah, so first year teacher doing a horrible job, like making a little bit of money and a failure, like so I'm broke, and I'm a failure. Like, I mean, I signed up to be broke, but I didn't sign up to be a failure. You know, what I mean, like, what's wrong? Like, and what I realized was that no one told you that, oh, you're gonna you have this passion to teach, but teaching is not a one way street. Teaching is two-way. You have to convey the information in a way that the people who are teaching you are going to get it. And then you have to help them be able to give it back to you in a way that you can say, oh, you got it. And I realized that most students had no, they didn't understand how school worked. And it, and none, most of them, when they came to my class, I'm, I'm teaching high school algebra. Most of them who hate math, who hate school, who are dealing with all kinds of drama in their life, they can't see past their drama. So they come to class with all of it on their sleeve, like right there. Just like, I dare you to hit it hit knock it off knock it off and i'm and i'm i'm aggressive i'm i'm, I'm loud i'm big i'm like boop there you go now what, what's next <laughs> like probably some probably some things in my first couple of years of teaching that are probably not teacher like but i was it was 100 authentic mm -hmm. <laughs> i wasn't faking it i wasn't like letting the kid yell at me and be like oh please don't yell at me i'm like who are you talking to i know you're not talking to me like that now Maybe that's not the best way to respond to a 14 year old with all this testosterone pumping through his veins, but I didn't know any better because I was a human who was having a human experience with the person who was like yelling at me in my job. Like I didn't come to your job yelling at you. You came in my class. So that's, that's how it was. So I was I, I basically in that journey of like realizing that students were going through so much stuff that I, I said, look, I'll buy you all lunch once a week, a group of young men. I said, look, 
in exchange for lunch, like teach me how to be a better teacher. Like, what am I doing wrong? Cause I think I'm smart wow. and I can tell you're smart, but you're failing my class. And listen, if you're going to fail my class, you're going to fail. Like, and you're going to know you failing. Like it ain't going to be like, Oh, I failed that class. No, you're going to be like, this guy's getting on my nerves. I hate this guy calling my name. Every time he's showing up at my house, I'll be doing all kinds of stuff. Kids would be like, he, he's relentless. Cause if you're going to fail, I can't stop you from failing, but I'm, I'm gonna let you know that if you fail, you chose to fail. It wasn't because I didn't give 100%. And you mm -hmm. may lie later, but I'm not going to be in your I'm not going to be in your autobiography where you're like, I had this one teacher, Mr. Branch, who didn't even like my didn't even like me. No, no, no. I like you so much that I was I was willing to be a pain in your butt every day because I want you to be successful. And that's how that's how I learned that is. And so ever forward was just me saying, look, I'm going to give my last shot because I was going to go back to the money. Like, literally, I was a first year teacher doing a horrible job, making very little money and, and somewhat miserable, not miserable as a teacher. I was miserable that I was not being effective. Like I didn't go back in debt to get a teaching credential and a master's in education to then be a failure. Like I was just building amazing buildings around the Bay area. Like why would I come and do the job where I'm feeling like I'm not even making success? Like that's, I don't know who chooses that kind of thing and it wasn't going to be me. So that's how the ever forward club started. It was those lunch meetings and those young men began to open up. And they began to see that they were all going through stuff, but they were all have these really good masks. And we didn't talk about masks back then. We was just talking about what's going on in your life. And that's how Ever Forward started. I love that. That's amazing. And it, it's, you know, it ties in so well with, uh, you know, when I was in school, I was studying things like ethnic studies and gender studies and learning about, you know, like toxic masculinity and, and looking yeah. at the world through like a black feminist lens. And it, was, and it was really informative. And what I loved about when I heard about the work you were doing it reminded me of a TED talk I had watched um, about the box that we live in and how we need to get out of the box and, and, and like think outside the box with the box being this toxic masculinity that is like kind of holding us down and not letting us be expressive. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward and I see you speaking <laughs> in a very similar topic in your own way about the mask we all wear. And I, and I was curious if you'd be willing to kind of touch on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got an opportunity to do a TED talk about uh, this work we've been doing around masks. And, um, you know, I started off by telling people I'm a mama's boy. Like, I really love my mom. And I was like, I'm not, when I, the person was going to help me get the talk, I'm not going to tell people I'm a mom. I'm not telling people that. They're like, well, you know, and I think I was like, the me's deciding, well, if we're going to talk about taking the mask off, if you're going to tell, if you're going to talk it from a mental, from a head place, people are not going to get it. But what if you just show by example? And I'm not afraid to do that, but I was like, they don't care. I said, Oh, and the idea about the mask is because oftentimes it's about me judging myself based on what I think other people are going to think. Mm. It's not the fact that I'm not willing to be truthful and honest about what I'm going through and the feeling is mm. that I'm always overthinking what I think people are going to think. So I think for them and I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to say it because they're going to think this and I don't want to feel that. So I, I tell myself a story that's totally made up, but it feels right. And so therefore I operate from there. And so this Ted, the talk that I gave was really about the fact that we, you know, growing up was a lot of challenges. My father, you know, I was raised by a single mother. My mom got married when I was like 12 or 13. She mm -hmm. married a man who didn't love us. He didn't love me and my siblings who were already there. You know, he loved, you know, his son who he, who he birthed with my mom right. and that son became the prince and we were all the peasants and we had a lot of, you know, verbal and sometimes physical experiences and, uh, in that story, I just talk about him putting his hands on my mom and me doing what I, the only tools I had uh, to navigate at that time were anger uh, and funny. And mm. when anger and funny didn't work, I was out of, out of option. I didn't have any emotional language. I didn't have any emotional intelligence. So um, I ended up um, finding myself in front of the house with a weapon and, um, and thank goodness I didn't go in the house. I sat in my car that day and I cried. And I don't know if I had ever cried since a kid because I was told that crying is weak and soft and not manly. And so, but I was crying because I had this man who put his hands on my mom and I didn't have enough strength in my own body. I tried to protect her with my own hands and he was way too strong. And so I just went to another, I was resorting to another option. But it wasn't a good option, but it was. And so how many young men are, anyway, I say that to say, uh, that's the story I tell in that talk, but I, I tell it because I, I, was, I was on my way to college. 
I mean, this is like the spring. I'm on my, I'm, a, I'm the OAL wrestling champion. I just made all city football. I'm on my way to college. I got Epsom's letters all on my wall from colleges. And I was about to throw it all in the garbage. Not because I was a bad kid, not because I was looking for trouble, but because I had no way of navigating fear and sadness because I was told I wasn't supposed to have fear and sadness. And, um, and thank goodness that I found tears that day in that car. I mean, I, I tell you, uh, I don't know where I would be right now. I probably wouldn't be. I wouldn't be talking through this kind of experience. I'm probably talking through a screen, <laughs> but it wouldn't be this kind of screen, you know? It would probably be a double thick glass with a little microphone, you know? But um, right. thank goodness that I caught my breath that day. Yeah, and I, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I was so excited for this interview, right, is that this conversation is so, it, it's so underrepresented in, in the dialogues that we need to be having as human beings of like emotional like cultivating emotional intelligence and like understanding how to express ourselves. So my first, my first question on that note would be, you know, and I know everyone's so different, but for you, what would be your advice to people listening who struggle with expression or struggle with like understanding the feelings they are going through? What's like a first step that you'd suggest to them to starting to unpack that? Yeah. Thank you for that question. You know, um, so when we create the activity around the mask, we talk about masks, but we actually, there's an activity. So mm. um, we invite people, they can go to the website, it's 100kmasks.com, right? And on that site, they can actually draw a mask and we ask them to draw a picture. So it's one picture plus six words. I mean, it sounds pretty simple, right? One mm -hmm. picture plus six words. Well, here are the six words. Uh, it may not be very easy for some people. The, th the three words on the front of the mask are, what are qualities that you gladly let people see? That's the front of the mask. And then you think about the back of the mask, those, those are the things that we normally don't talk about. We normally don't let people see. And what we ask people to do first is just, if you're willing to just explore, how much of yourself on a daily basis do you get to be fully you? Or do you have to dance between the, the yous, <laughs> the, the multiple ways that you show up? Okay, here's how I am at work. Here's how I am with family. Here's how I am with friends. Here's how I am in my text groups. Here's how I am on the social media platforms. Like if you're having to shift back and forth between characters, like, oh, no, I can't post that here because people are going to hear and think I'm this. Like that can be exhausting not only, and it can be very confusing. And I think that what we try to help people to recognize is that there's so much more to you than anybody could ever know by looking at you. And that's been our work. And so when, when we start there, we help people recognize that, wow, there's somebody else going through what I'm going through. How is that possible? Because remember that, that comparison thing. And I, one of my mentors says, comparison is a thief of all happiness. And so if you spend your time comparing, and look, I love my phone, but I know that I got sucked into the, the, the buttons and the likes and the gamification. And the, I didn't even know what the heart meant on the bottom of Instagram until a 12, a teenager told me. He's like, dude, you got heck of likes. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, he's like, look, can you see that? You see the red thing right there? I'm like, I didn't even know what that thing meant. The next time I went in my phone, I was by myself. I was like going in the phone. I'm looking for the red dot next mm -hmm. to the heart. Like the dopamine, like this sucked me in. I was upset. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean? Nobody liked my stuff over the last, you know, two hours since I've been in here. And it's because that's what this is for. It's for attention. And if you get sucked into like trying to perform for attention, then you're never going to be enough. Because there's always going to be somebody who has more, better, different, special, right? And you can be trying to keep up with the Joneses, as people say, right? So I think that that's, um, that's how it came to be. You know, it came to be in this space of like, man, if I can just get really concrete within me, then I can help other people recognize that if you recognize that there's so much more to you, then maybe you just got to find that one person. Maybe everyone doesn't deserve to hear your story, but can you, you got one person in your life who you can get really real with? Like, do you have, do you know that you're not really alone, even though it may feel like it, but if you operate, I'm alone and I'm not going to tell anybody I feel alone. And so therefore even the people who will be willing to be on your team and on your side and have, have your back don't even know because we, Every time they see you, you're smiling and everything's fine. Right. It's kind of like this image. Um, I'll show you this and I'll describe it. This is the image of the of the campaign, right? So if you look at this face on the outside, it says, I'm okay on the outside. Mm. But if you look a little closer in between I'm okay, there's a word in between there. And it's not. not. And the artist who's one of our former students, uh, he was one of our first members of Ever Forward. He said, well, the reason he's an art teacher now, by the way. So oh, I love that. Yeah, now he's an artist, he's an art teacher, which makes me feel really proud. But um, and I didn't try and make him a teacher. I just was, I know he was an amazing artist. Um, he said he put not over the face, uh, over the mouth, 
because mm-hmm. and it made it hard to see in gen- in terms because it's hard to, it's hard to see if people are not doing okay if they say I'm okay right and he put it over the mouth because it's really hard to talk about wow and I was like oh man so that's the image of our campaign it's like yeah we know that we don't expect it to be easy for people we just know that it's important that they do it. And so we say, look, how do we help you begin to have that conversation with one picture and six words? And then right. after that, hopefully you begin to find more people in your life who are willing to hear six words from you, mm. one picture and six words. And then wow. we can begin making more connections. That's amazing. It's such an incredible endeavor. And, you know, one thing I love about it is if people really got comfortable sharing and expressing themselves in that way, who knows what kind of world we would have, because then we'd be able to have really uncomfortable conversations with each other about how we make each other feel. Yeah. Right. Because once you know how you feel, you can express to someone else that how they impacted you. And like, that's right. That, that empathy, man. And imagine, imagine if you knew that you could, you had people you could talk to about what you were struggling with and knew that they weren't going to walk away. Yeah. Knew that they weren't going to be like, oh, you're, that's a little bit too much. Now, now you did too much. Now I'm out of here. Right. I had one young man at a school. Um, I was a group of boys. I was like, so why don't you talk about this with your friends? And he was like, well, for my friend group, I want them to keep inviting me back to stuff. So I don't talk about real stuff going on in my life because I don't want to be the downer in the group. Because he knows the consequences of being the person who's a downer. Because I'm sure there's been a downer before. Mm-hmm. And the downer, then they know, okay, don't invite him back because he's going to talk about his problems. We don't want to hear about his problems. And then what happens? You got a young man who's like not getting invited back. He's wondering, wait, I was trying to be, I was trying to, I thought they were my friends. I thought I could talk mm-hmm. about my real stuff. And now I'm, I know that, oh, my next group of friends don't talk about what you're going through. So it gets trained out of us. Yeah, I think yeah. it, gets, it gets nurtured. out. I think nature is to be like babies when they're feeling something, they're going to cry about it. They cry and they're like, eh, and then they're done crying. Like, okay, let me go play with something. Right. It's only adults who walk around like we're fine all the time. And then what happens is it builds up. It builds up. It's like energy in motion. You know yeah. what's going to happen? It's coming out. Yeah. It may, it may come out against ourselves. It may be self-harm, maybe substances. It may be relationships. It may be all kinds of things that come out, but it's coming out. And yeah. so what we say to young people is like, how about we, 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 we give it, we, we, we bring it out in a healthy mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. so that we don't have to let it pop out when we least expect it. And that's so right. And I say that to people as well in my own way. I'm like, when you need to have an uncomfortable conversation, uh, it's needed. And especially for people that are like, oh, a buzzkill, whatever. It's like, if we have an uncomfortable conversation, we're going to have so much more fun afterwards because we've cleared the air. Like we had some conversations have to be had. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, one day the world will realize and it'll be because of people like you. So I'm super grateful for it. And I have a question that's on this topic. You know, you've given us some amazing words of wisdom, but... I'm sure based on the man that you are, that you've had peers, friends, lovers, and rivals who have said amazing words of wisdom to you. So I'm mm. curious, you know, uh, what are some words of wisdom that people have said to you that inform you on your journey? Man, thank you. Um, you know, I, I, after I left college, I was like, I'm never reading a book again, ever. And because <laughs> I didn't want to, I was like, this is like reading um, I, I, all the books, burn them, burn them all, put them in a, some, put them somewhere so I don't ever have to see them again. Um, I, on my first job site, um, uh, a man who I met there, we began to connect and we started playing like chess together. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave me a book. I was on my way to Brazil. I was on my way on my first trip out of the country. I think it was Brazil or something. He gave me the book, The Alchemist. And so I think a lot of my, I never had mentors in my life growing up. So I think a lot of the mentors I had were in books, you know, mm. and this book in the alchemist, I lost the book, but, but what I, when, the part I got to that I remember, I remember him, um, the Santiago, this boys in some other country, he's like, so watching this baker and the daughter of the baker or something was like, Oh, my dad never wanted to be a baker, but he got in his job baking and then he was making money and then he had a family and then he couldn't leave. He actually wanted to be something else or some story like that but that's what it was it was like he got stuck in this job mm-hmm. and i remember like when i was about to leave when i like, this is already after i've left engineering so i mean actually no, i'm in engineering oh my goodness oh my goodness i didn't even okay so i'm just thinking i'm just connecting connecting some dots, i love right? it so I love it. so i read this while i was an engineer never had planned to leave engineering i was like yeah because you got a job and you got a career you got a mortgage you got to pay you can't you can't be like leaving your job and go off to do this thing you really love to do because the love to do ain't gonna make the money you need to do mm-hmm. 
And um, anyway, I think that was one of those early messages I learned. I'm trying to think of a person, but definitely in my older life, now that I have mentors, um, one, one mentor has been helping me. That was one of those early messages I got from a book, right? Um, but a, a recent message that I've been getting is around my fear around my fear. When we first created the Million Mask Movement, uh, I had the idea of the Million Mask Movement. I, I loved it. It was like MMM. I'm really a big numbers guy and, you know, letters. And it was really, really cool. And I took it to my team and they were, they were kind of nervous. They were kind of scared. So we, in that meeting, literally me come bringing it to them, we scaled it back from the Million Mask Movement to the 100,000 Mask Challenge. And I was telling my mentor this on this, on the podcast, right? And he was like, well, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me just say something. Let me say something. He says, let me just possibly say that maybe when you took it to the team, you let their fear awaken your fear and therefore scale back your dream. And I was like, oh man, I hate you. Like, no, no, not really. Not really. I was more like saying, oh, you're, mm -hmm. you're reading through my story, right? Because mm -hmm. the story that I was telling myself and that I was telling was that, you know, I went to the team, they were nervous. So we, we scaled it back from a million to a hundred thousand. Right. But it was my fear. Mm -hmm. It was my fear of like, how are we going to get to a million? Yeah. So when they were nervous, I was like, okay, it's easy to scale back. You can take one zero off. You're going to, you're at a hundred thousand. So, Hey, let's just do that. And I remember that being like, when, when I heard that from him, I was like, you're right. I did. I was already afraid. I was definitely afraid. And anytime you bring something to your team as a leader, you may have some fear. I mean, I, I, I was convinced I was, we we're going to do it, but, and uh, I realized that, that that was something that was really real. So yeah, that's the, there's so many things I'm thinking about what people have told me, but that's one that's recently of me letting me not letting fear take over. And, I love it. Yeah. No, it's so valid. And I mean, it, it, it's a testament to, you know, take the leap, do it. It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be scary that's either right. way. Life is scary no matter what you decide, even the, the, like the engineering path, even the path that is the society recommended path. Yeah. It comes with struggle. It comes with hardship. Uh, you got to pick your heart. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You got to pick your heart for sure. And I think it's easier to pick the heart where you're yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's an easier one to live with. There's a, a, a friend of mine, poet and, uh, author and he's a, a preacher he has this poem called two pains mm. right the pain of pursuing and the pain of not doing mm. right because mm -hmm. if the pain of not doing is like if the, if the thought went away then it probably wasn't meant for you to do it anyway but if you are like if it keeps ringing in your ears it's something saying hey maybe you're supposed to be doing this and you're not doing it so therefore it's going to keep reminding kind of like a book i'm trying to write right like I <laughs> Uh, I've been working on whatever barriers are in the way, but there's lots of barriers in the way. And uh, I, I'm getting, you know, I'm working on that. But the fear, the, the, the pain of not doing, if the thought of the book went away, I wouldn't have to be worrying about it. But you know what? Mm -hmm. I think about it every day. Like I think about it every day. And every time I see somebody on one of our friends say, hey, I'm, I'm, will you help me promote this new book I just wrote? I'm like, God, that's the worst. Oh, this is like, and I just, and I helped them promote it. I send it out to everybody, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I promoted so many me. people's books <laughs> <laughs> and I'm learning. I'm learning. Okay. If you don't write it, you know, people are going to keep doing it. Right. And, then, and anyway, that's the, the journey that I'm on right now. Well, I look forward to reading the book when it does come out. Uh, we'll be waiting and we'll do an episode promoting it. <laughs> awesome. uh, and then we'll promote my book afterwards. Cause I also need to get my book read. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. Well, maybe we can, we can set up some kind of, weekly check-in accountability partners yeah. i'm with it i love absolutely. it absolutely. on that note you know speaking of projects that you have in the in the works is there any projects that you know people should be getting prepared for you know as as we put this out and as we move into the future anything that people should be paying attention to yeah man we're super so we just created a game so ever forward as a club right i started this in 2004 um and people over the years have said um man, you know, Shanti, ever, you're ever forward. And if you leave, what's going to happen ever forward? And I'm like, well, it should keep going. Like, mm -hmm. like, like kids are always going to be mentoring. And mm -hmm. what I realize sometimes it happens, maybe they say it in a way to make me feel good. I don't feel good. I feel actually more nervous that what I'm doing is not creating longevity. 
but I, I didn't start this to create a business. I, I don't know about, I, I'm still learning about what it means to scale an organization. I'm, I know about mentoring. I know about mm -hmm. creating experiences. Right. Um, so anyway, I say all that to say, we started, we created this game. It's called Ever Forward Club, The Adventure. And it's, uh, it's, about, it, it's on Indiegogo right now. We just launched it. Um, and so basically this is like the cards. <laughs> it's a card. It's like, it's an adventure. So basically the way you, 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 you win each round is by answering these questions, which are really like questions we ask our young men in the work. And they're deep questions. They're like deeply meaningful, personal questions. <laughs> oh my God. So we had a practice game here the other day. We print, this is the, this is the prototype. We printed them out. Looks we have awesome. Oh man, we have characters. There's like, there's like different uh, challenge cards. And, I love it. Oh, I'm super. So there's like the, the different challenge cards are weathering the storm, sunrise, sunset, the big boss, leap of faith, and uh and like challenges right and um man so that's what's new and it's exciting because what i hope is that i tell people it's kind of like this thing where people say what's your superpower i think i just I, I i try and listen twice as much as i talk i mean in this conversation i'm talking a lot right but i think in my in my interaction in my <laughs> in my interaction with like young people i try and like ask a lot of questions and i try and just be quiet and listen and that's what i want people to do i think that I don't really think, yeah. So uh, I'm hoping that what I leave on this earth is that, that all we gotta do is just be willing to be the one. I think one of my mentors says, um, you know, in this work, we don't need any millionaires. We just need willionaires. Like, will you step in to do something? Like, you don't need to have a million dollars to be a part of this, but do, do you have the will to say, I'm gonna do something? And if we can start asking people more questions and listening more, I think that we can change the world because I think most people don't get listened to. And uh, that's what I'm hoping this game will do. It will open up conversations between friends and families and, and they're deep questions. And you can choose not to answer it deep. Like you don't have to answer it deep. You can answer from the front of the mask. Oh, I'm just gonna tell lightweight. Or you can go to the, and more points if you go to the back of the mask, right? So it's a way of incentivizing going deeper. Mm. And that's, that's our new project. It's called Everfore Club, The Adventure. I love it. It's out right yeah. now. It's on Indiegogo, so we're we're in final stages. We're in the final. We just finished all the questions. Now we're working on the the, the, the all these. Are, these are the original character cards, but they're they're all painted now. So these are the rough the the, the pencil sketches. It's happening. I love it. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put a a pen in right here just so I edit this out. Um, yeah. uh, this is gonna come out like three four weeks. So yeah. when it if it's if it, the link is ready, like we'll put it all in the description. Okay. Make sure people know about it. Right on. Uh, the Indiegogo really campaign is open. It was open. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm yeah. so excited. So yeah, send me the send me the links. And for everybody yeah. who's listening, you can find out about this in the description below. Make sure <laughs> that you go and get your pack so yes. you can play with your friends and family. I love that. That'd be so awesome. You Thank know, it's you. so funny about the point you made too about superpowers. You're going to love this next question. So the beginning of the interview, we talk about deep things. We talk about philosophical and, you know, pursuit of passion. The second part, <laughs> we like to go a little more eccentric, you know, okay, a little bit okay. more fun. <laughs> And uh, you touched on a question that we ask often here in the living world experience, which is if you were a superhero who existed, already written like a Stan Lee character, Greek mythology, what hero would you be and why? Now in the, in the Odyssey, you know, Telemachus got on the boat to go look for his pops and on the boat was Mentor. And, men and Mentor was, not there to give him answers, but there to ask him questions to guide him where he was trying to get to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's considered a, a god or whatever, but I, I would think I would be mentor. Love like that. That's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. I love the Odyssey. I no <laughs> one has ever brought I threw the Greek mythology in just as like a <laughs> and uh, I'm so glad that you jumped on that because it's hey, that's my shit. I'm so glad to hear you say that. And I agree, that's a great one. And this next part, you know. I, I, I appreciate the answer so much and I'm excited to hear the second part. So now you create the superhero. Um, you have, you pick your powers and what would your superhero name be? Okay. Okay. We, we've been talking about this a lot. So it would be, um, um, El Rama. El Rama. Rama is a, is a branch in Spanish. Mm. So, so in high school, I was the only, only, only black person on the wrestling team. And they called me, they always talked in Spanish. I never knew what they were saying, but they always called me Rama and Rama was my name. So mm. anytime they say Rama, I know they were calling me. So uh, I'll be El Rama. That would be my, and I would be able to speak every language. 
Like Ooh. I would be able to, wherever I went, I just blend in. I just talk and they're like, are you from here? And I'd be like, yeah, of course. Like, like if he says they wouldn't even know it, they'd be like, how do you speak so well? Cause that's, that's my magic. I get to communicate with people from all over. I'm El Rama. <laughs> that is amazing. To all the cartoonists and graphic novelists who listen, send us some, send us some mock designs about Rama. Let's get this going. Let's get it off the ground. I love that. We need, right. we need it. I listen, this, this section is always my favorite because someone said it to me the other day. They hated the question. I, I don't know what about it. They hated it, but they, they said, they were like, I hate this question. And, but oh. they were like, you know, um, they're like, does this say something about my character? Like, are you trying to figure something out about me? And I was like, I never thought about it like that. I just like superheroes, but you're dead right. There's going to show some sort of personality trait. If you're like, I want all the money in the world and yeah, okay. All right. We know who you are. And I love that. It's like, you know, it is a form of un unveiling the mask. Cause it's like, yeah. you know, people are going to be honest. That's right. You, that's right. We start talking about superpowers. We get to the bottom of some things. Um, <laughs> oh man. That's so exciting. And you know what we're going to do? And I'm so glad you said that because in this, in this next season, like the next uh, extension pack of this game, people are going to be able to like create a character. And what we're asking people to do in this thing is we're actually telling people we we're we're trying to eliminate magical powers. We we mm. we were talking about like what are the human powers that you have? What are the mm. connection powers? What are the listening powers? Like so we're trying to think of like and we create this ever forward universe. Like oh these are the listeners. Mm. These are the motivators. These are the mm. these are the like the heart people, right? Like just like I don't know, I don't know. We're just it's still new, but I love it's that. Exciting. Well, because it's also it's also realizable. You can become that superpower. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. if you're a good listener, you yeah. could be known for listening. You That's can right. go be a therapist. Like <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like that's we right. Can, we can turn these into real life things. So I actually love that. And we're gonna make this living with Will a, original <laughs> moment. We're gonna start asking people, what do you think your superpower is right now? Yeah. And I'm going to ask you that in this moment. If you had to say that you had a superpower today, what do you think it would be? Hmm. Oh, this is a funny story. Okay. I would say I I, I care. Mm. Like I really I really I really care about people. And uh <laughs> I was in I was uh, one of my young men who had disappeared. He would disappear for probably 4 months. He stopped rep replying in my texts. Mm. He was hiding out. Finally replied after Christmas. And um, when we finally met up, we had a talk for about an hour. And he said, you know what? He said, uh, you're like my Jariah. Mm. And I was like, what the, who is Jariah? And he was like, you got to go look it up. <laughs> That's what I used to tell him all the time when they asked me questions. I was like, what? So now I go look up Jariah. And Jariah was a mentor for Naruto. And I'm like, what? Like, so I think, like, the fact that I was just in the car just listening to him, like, like I, didn't, I didn't give him anything magical. I just, I just helped him pull out of what was already in him. I'm not here to, I don't have any tools. I just, I don't have any money. I, I'm, I'm just a person who sees you maybe for more than you see yourself. And my job is to, to help bring that out of you. And so I don't have no magic toad like Jiraiya, but I do have ears and I listen and I, and I ask questions. And so I think that's, that's what my power is connected to. What an compliment too. He oh. really, that is so kind. I mean, he clearly <laughs> recognizes your importance in his own life for him to say yeah. that to you. That's really Man. beautiful. And, and it was amazing to go look it up and then realize who he was talking about to say, oh, wait, like, wow. You, I had to look it up and read what, it was, what this person was. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, right? Like, man. That's so, so yeah. beautiful. Thank you for asking that, right? Thank you for asking that. I'm grateful for the moment. I got to have that. I'm a, I'm a fan of Naruto, so that... <laughs> <laughs> I know what that means for him uh, to say that to you. I'm glad you just said that. I have something I'm going to send you. I was okay. So once we get finished, I'm, I got something to send you. Awesome. Okay. I love it. All right. All right. So this next series of questions, right, is for the underrepresented arts. I think that unfortunately in society, we don't recognize the universal language we all speak, which is the language of food. Mm. Um, you know, it's an art form that I really want to bring attention to and shout out to chef's table for really showing the world like how artists chefs are how artistic they are how incredible they are how beautiful restaurants are really like it's a masterpiece of so many different moving parts so this question is if you had to eat three regions of cuisine for the rest of your life three cuisines what would those cuisines be yeah uh it would be uh probably mexico latin america but probably mexico particularly um india and place oh man those two are okay what other place have i been that i really 
Thailand. Oh, mm. yes. Those three. I love Thailand, it. India, and Mexico. It was quick, too. You got those love. out. You knew what you were talking about. Oh, I love food. Can you tell? Can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell? Food loves me, too. That's, that's a problem. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's one of those questions, you know, I, I don't think anyone's ever expecting the food questions. And I love that <laughs> because that's what I think about food. It's a, I'm always thinking about it. So I'm surprised. <laughs> Um, the last of the food related would be, what about sauces? If you had a, if you had to say your top three favorite sauces and if not sauce, what would your favorite like flavor profile be? But I'll start with sauce. I'm so glad you asked about sauce. Um, yeah. So <laughs> me and my friend, I've been sending him pictures. Of, every time I see a sauce, I send him a picture of it because he talks about this sauce idea. Um, my sauces would be, um, curry. I mean, I guess it's connected to these places that I love the food, right? Like it would be mole, like from Oaxaca. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And nice. I just found chipotle um, paste because like you can't bring products back usually from uh, in America, mm -hmm. but the, the paste is more like, uh, it's just chipotle ground up. So yeah, and I will say sauce. That would be my like curry, like that mole. Love it. And Chipotle. So if so, space. So, uh, gee, I can't <laughs> so flavor profile. You would say more of a spice. You spice. More, oh yeah. I'm with you. I heard someone come in here the other day talk about jam when I asked about sauce, and I accepted it. I don't listen. I'm not here to tell you what sauces are better, but I, I thought it was interesting, and that's when I changed. I was like, you know, some people have different flavor profiles, and it's yeah. fascinating. I'm curious, you know, if any sociologists or psychologists listen, wonder if there's some things there. Oh, man. You know that guy from Hot Ones? The Hot Ones? Yes, the, I he, do. Uh, he has a, a YouTube video where he um, makes this salsa with pineapple and jalapenos. Whoa. It's sweet and spicy. Oh, it's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely, it's actually, I've made it a couple of times. Incredible. I'm a huge fan of his. Shout out to Hot Ones. Get me on the show. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? <laughs> Let's go. I'm already sweating right now. And I haven't even started. Like <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. Well, listen, That's I got great. two more for you. Okay. And I want to take up too much more of your time. Right and I, on. But I'm grateful for your time. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you, man. First, the last two would be, you know, I asked you earlier on, but as far as projects, you know, um, what is anything that you want to have people paying attention to? It could be something you're working on that you really think they should know about. Um, yeah. It could be something someone else is working on. What is like, just as far as projects or organizations go, what is the number one thing you want people to remember from this? I would like people, if they have not made a mask, to go to 100kmasks.com. If they're an educator, teacher, organizer, they can actually create a, their own little profile and when they use their codes with their groups, like it will create for them a word cloud. Like we, we we're working on version two coming out soon. Mm. That I, here's what I believe. I believe that any, all these hard conversations you were talking about, it comes down to being willing to let somebody see a little bit more than what they can currently see. Because when I see each other, we judge them from what we see on the outside, but we don't know really what's happening on the inside, you know, like, uh, you know, we just lost uh, hip hop um, legend DMX, you know, and people have been playing little clips of his life. And he knew that he struggled. He knew that he struggled with this, this battle. And um, at 14, like at 14, that somebody had, you know, laced his some weed with crack, like addicted. Yeah. The first time. Right. And some people you meet these, you meet these superstars who've been smoking for their whole life and they're still ticking. Right. And now, you know, I think that ultimately I say that just to say, I believe that, um, um, man, I just got so excited. I just forgot what I was saying, but, uh, I, I truly think that, um, if we can, where am I going right now? Where am I going? I forgot where I'm going. We'll, edit right it. we'll, we'll make it sound really coherent. <laughs> DMX is dealing with, I'll remind you where you were. DMX was dealing with something really, really profound. Yeah. 14 addicted. He's dealing with it. Yeah. And I know, I think ultimately I, I was, I was wrapping it back to the, the question you asked. Mm -hmm. What was the question you asked? It was as far as organizations. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. The million projects. mass movement, the million mass movement. And I think it's behind the mask. Everything is connected to if we can find people in our life where we can take off our masks and be more real and more authentic. I think we need it. I think so many people don't have it that when they get it, 
they're kind of shocked. Like some students come to our workshops and they're like, uh oh, what just happened? Even though it's anonymous, their card is anonymous. They've written their card. But when they have a room to recognize that they're not alone, the other people in the same room are writing the same words. But you think those people are perfect because you're looking at their highlight reel. Right. And only they know and you know you're behind the scenes. And so mm. that's what we would invite people in, around the world to do. I love that. The concept is so fucking beautiful because I can imagine myself as a kid sitting in a room with some of the kids that I thought was cool, hearing them having problems that I have too. It, who knows where that would have taken me and and i'm so grateful that there's people like you who are doing the work to like improve these kids lives like fuck childhood is hard yeah, life it is. is hard it shouldn't be hard as a child <laughs> that's when it's supposed to be easy oh man that's so real and, and and knowing that what what if you knew i mean we had that happen in a lot of workshops where young people were like wait somebody in here because when we, when we do the workshop you don't read your own card mm -hmm. we mix them up Mm. And you, oh, you get somebody card. You don't know who it is. And I've seen kids look at a card and like, you know, they're like, oh my God, like somebody in here. And you just see them take care of it. Like, oh my goodness, somebody shared a secret with me. Like, mm. and, and somebody in here has mine too. Um, where's mm -hmm. mine? And then all the emotions kind of hit in the place. But when they recognize they're not the only one, oh man, we see hearts open and it's so beautiful. I love that. That is just... <laughs> It warms my heart just talking to you about it. So I'm so grateful for this moment. And I wish we could talk about this for hours, but I want you to be able to get back to the work. So uh, this is it. We're here. Okay. We made it. And I'm going to set the scene for you on this final question. Okay. Okay. So this is it. Set the scene. So it's 33 years and 33 days from today. Mm. We're on a space beach somewhere in a distant cosmos. <laughs> we've, we've terraformed many planets and yeah. So we're, you know, we're at the space beach. We're looking at some space fish. You know, they're projecting this interview across the cosmos. And uh, we've, we made it an NFT. It's sold on the blockchain. And, uh, you know, there's an absolute wild party. Everybody's celebrating the space. Uh, yeah. They're celebrating the interview. It's beautiful. And it gets to this point. Everyone's like, oh, go ahead. It's your final words. Final last question. And so what would you want to hear yourself say 33 years from now? What would you want to hear your final thoughts be to the audience? Um, there's a quote that says the longest distance that most people travel is the 18 inches between their head and their heart. And most times we get stuck in our heads. And so I invite each and every one of you to stay connected to your heart, to find those moments where you can be more of your authentic true self, because that's when you can really come alive. Wow. That's it. That's amazing. Oh, Thank man. you so much. Thank you, man. Right on. Oh, my. this is such a fun interview. I appreciate you, man. You have beautiful questions and kept that you, you can't, they, it, man. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. You, oh, right you flatter me. This, this, <laughs> my, this is what I'm my dream. You're complimenting my purpose right now. I feel it. I can feel it. I can feel it. Thank you so much. Oh, man, that was fun. I was sweating over here. Honestly, I don't know if you saw me. I was sweating. I had to like wipe my face. I was like, why is it? How am I sweating? What's going on here? Like, I'm not even moved. I haven't moved. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? I'm like on the hot seat. I'm like, hot ones, hot ones. There's another yeah. type of hot ones. Okay. Shout them like, out. Sweating like a madman. Bring them on show. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen if you guys have them, man? <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was great. That was amazing. I carried the supply like a kid pack. And you ain't have to talk, you just stare back. You already know where my head at. I'm trying to get this bread, Jack. And really, I ain't trying to hear that. It's clear that the shit a nigga talk about. Really done did that. I really done lived that.